from AATH, the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. This is LaughBox, the podcast for laughter and humor professionals. Here's your host, Chip Lutz. For Laugh Box. Yes, the musical stylings of Chip Lutz, and my guest this week is Jim Wasserman. Now, Jim was originally supposed to speak at the conference next year. However, things have come up and he's not going to be able to do it, so I'm really glad that I was able to catch him on tape. Tape, I am definitely showing my age on that. Catch him on the digits, the digitals, yes. But for those of you who don't know, the AATH conference is the 4th through the 7th of April in Chicago. You want to make sure you're registered, register early, get that early bird rate because early bird's awesome, saving money's awesome, and this episode is awesome. Enjoy. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to LaughBox, the official podcast of the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. And today, I get to talk to somebody who's on the other side of the globe, um, and I'm pretty excited to talk to him. I get to talk to Jim Wasserman. So, welcome, my friend, to LaughBox. It's you know, it, I, thanks for taking the time, you know, out of your busy schedule over there on the other side of the world to um, share your big brain with us. <laughs> well. Thank you very much. Muchas gracias. And I uh, don't know about a big brain, but uh, I certainly am trying to spread it thin around the world. Now, if you could share for our listeners a little bit about who Jim Waster, the, Wasserman, this, uh, this legend on the other side of the world really is. <laughs> okay. Well, um, my wife will tell you that I am the biggest faker in the world uh, that I can fake doing anything because... Uh, <laughs> I'm never really sure. I always try something. And then as soon as it requires like in-depth competency, I move on. So um, I got initial, I'd say I came out of college with degrees in psychology and religion. When my father said, that's going to make you interesting at parties. What are you going to do with it? So I went <laughs> to law like, school. It sounds like my dad. So like, dad's like, oh, what are you going to do? do with that? Uh, yes, that's right. So um, I went to law school and became a business litigation attorney, a mouthpiece for businesses. And then after a while, hung up my briefcase and became a teacher of humanity. And that was a second career for me and applied that trade for about 25 years. And now I have just retired. And uh, as you said, Chip, I'm now over in Spain and seeking what I call my third life and also being an author. Awesome. Awesome. And I want to talk about the, the different phases of life. Cause I know that's, you know, you know, part of, you know, you know, your, uh, I don't want to say shtick, but what you do. Um, uh, but let me ask you this, we'll just, you know, ask a random question just to get, you know, kind of like the conversation going. So, okay. You know, you're obviously from the U S what's been the biggest, um, transition of living in a foreign country. I mean, you know, what are the things like, Oh man, I wish I was back home because they had this all the time. And what's the biggest thing that you miss? Ooh, uh, there's a couple of things. Uh, fried chicken. I'm from Texas, so fried chicken and barbecue jumped to the top. Um, and Tex-Mex, by the way. They really don't have it here in Spain. Um, <laughs> uh, you can drink the salsa. You can do shata. It's 
nothing. Um, other than that, I have to say I pretty much enjoy life here. It'd be nice to get a little bit more sleep because I don't know if you know the uh, uh, Spanish uh, schedule, but pretty much people don't go out to dinner until 9 or 10 o'clock, and then you have like a two- or three-hour dinner. So <laughs> we're coming home about 1, one o'clock in the, in the morning, and it's taking a while to get used to that. Wow. I couldn't imagine because I'm, I'm a five or six o'clock at night guy. I mean, that's when I like, to, yeah. that's me. That's when I like to eat, you know, five or six at night. If it gets too late, it's like, ah, it's too close to bedtime. I don't want that sit in my stomach all night. I couldn't even imagine eating at nine o'clock at night. That would suit my wife really good because she's a night owl. So that would work out perfectly. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I guess the hardest part for us is, uh, you know, adjusting that because dinner's so late, Lunch is so late. Uh, we took a walk one day last week, and we came to this great little cafe. It was around 1 p.m. and asked uh, about getting lunch, and they just looked at us shocked and said, it's only 1 o'clock. Come back in an hour when we begin to start lunch. So <laughs> it takes a little bit of adjustment. See, that time, 2.30 in the afternoon, I'm already like uh, starting to cook dinner, so I'm ready to eat at 5. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's, that's, right. that's me. So. So let's talk about, uh, you know, your third life, you know, your upcoming book. I'm really excited because I know that you're going to be presenting at the conference um, in April. You know, what are, you know, what can we expect? You know, what's in the book? What are you sharing? Well, I'll tell you, um, back up a little bit. For years, uh, I taught all the humanities. Uh, Again, as someone started asking me too many detailed questions, I moved to another course, but I taught (laughs) economics. The kids are probably still wondering because I said, let me look that up. I'll be right back. And then I'd go next door and teach something else. Mm -hmm. But um, I taught economics for years. And the book always, the economic books always say the students as future consumers. And more and more I started realizing they're not future players of this game. They're in the game right now. Mm -hmm. And um, if I can share just a quick story that really hit me off. Share away. Okay, well, at one point, um, I have two sons, and when one was about six years old, he loved this cable channel that was particularly geared for children. I won't tell you what it is, even though I'm sure you're all ears uh, about it, and so I won't mouse around, but (laughs) there was a show in which they had kids on it who reviewed movies made by the movie branch of this cable channel. And one day they reviewed a movie and they, all the kids said they absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. Now I had read the review and the reviewer said, you could feel your brain melt as you watch this from boredom. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to see it, but all the kids loved it. So my son looked at me and said, daddy, we got to go see this movie. Mm-hmm. And I said, Ben, what makes you think they're telling the truth? Um, trying to educate him that these people, these young kids are shills for a big corporation. Um, I <laughs> learned a that's, that's hilarious. They're just shills for a big corporation. <laughs> that is an awesome word picture I just got. That is awesome. That is- <laughs> <laughs> well, be great. well, unfortunately, while I thought I was being clever, I learned the most important lesson is never get your child to question other children who they believe or 
a cable channel that they adore because he immediately broke out crying saying, are you saying they're lying? You know, what is truth? Are you my father? What is going on? And so um, I realized kids need to be educated in media or as the new field is called media literacy. Mm -hmm. And so I began to study up on that and teach that using my lawyer knowledge. And again, 20 years later, um, I'm now writing a series of textbooks and teacher manuals in order uh, to teach kids these skills, um, how to critically think and analyze the messaging that comes to them Mm -hmm. so that they have more tools to analyze. That's amazing. Because kids need that. I mean, because I, I would, oh. you know, I, I, obviously you're just a little bit smarter than me. I, I would never tell my kids that <laughs> other kids were just shills for the big corporation. I would just be, I would, I would put it more in layman's terms, like, ah, they're just full of it. So, you know, don't listen to them. They're just, they're just, <laughs> they're just lining the, they're just lining the pockets of the man. Um, <laughs> but um, so what are some of the tools that, you know, that uh, you're using to get them to think a little more critically? Because that's, that's a, a great skill that's going to serve them well their entire lives. Yeah, well, a lot of it um, is for them to take apart ads and look at the tools they use, not just the message. Uh, for example, you'll be cool if you use our product. Right. Um, or you can be different like every other kid who buys our product. So they get to look at that. They also look at little things like the camera angle. For example, if the camera angle is looking up at a person, mm-hmm. you're supposed to admire them. Down, you're supposed to judge them. And so the kids are learning that TV ads and any kind of messaging is kind of a roller coaster ride in which they're being taken, but we're giving them the control of the brakes. And um, so that they can, I never tell a kid, you should or should not buy a product or believe a message, but here are the tools so you can better decide if you want to believe it or, and buy it or not. That is fascinating. I didn't know that about the camera angles that, you mm-hmm. know, uh, I'm going to watch TV and look at ads wholly differently now. Oh, well, I have to warn you, um, a lot of my kids and um, come back and they sort of are mad at me because they say, I can't watch a movie or a TV show or an ad without sitting there and pulling it apart now. It's like they have x-ray vision and they can't see the person. They see the bones. Um, <laughs> but they say, you ruin things for me. So. Right. But that's a t- I'm a teacher. That's my job. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, but that's a, that's a skill because there are a lot of even people as adults, they don't really sit back and critically assess things. And given, no, no. given, you know, uh, given those tools at a younger age is going to make them uh, help them make better decisions their entire lives. Exactly. And all the way up to, um, you know, what is, quote, fake news and what is not. Uh, mm-hmm. We go up to the high school level where it gets more advanced, where they start looking at arguments and things like, are they really promoting the product or are they attacking people? Um, we do a lot with trolling, for example, and things like that. So they can look through, hopefully, uh, all the noise to what the real messages are. Wow. So is this a, a global thing that you're teaching? Or, I mean, you just like solely focus right there in Spain? I mean, what's, uh, how, how are you getting this out there? Well, the books are going to be uh, published um, in America, 
Um, I should go ahead and throw in um, Roman and Littlefield is my publisher. There's my cheap plug. I can get a check, but <laughs> they are going to. Um, it's going to be a vet. The books are going to first come out this coming March. So it was right before the uh, conference. Mm-hmm. And the first one coming out is for the middle school level. And then they're going to be available for anyone who wants to look into this, uh, principally schools, but people who want to home study, um, use it with their own kids. Just generally, if you need it, uh, a set of coasters, buy a set of books. It'll work great. You can put you can put drinks on my face. So, I don't care. Uh, but that's that's neat. That's cool. That uh, it'll be available to people out there. And you know, like I said, it's uh, even as an adult, that's something that I would be interested in just for the sheer knowledge of you know what you some of the things you were just sharing. You know that I I didn't even know about the camera angle thing. So that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's yeah. I, I will I will I will not send you an email saying you ruined things for me because sometimes some things are just. <laughs> Some things are just for enjoyment. Like, you know, people, exactly. uh, they'll, you know, uh, I'll, I'll go see movies like, well, you know, I didn't like this. I like, you know, or they'll, they'll tear it apart about, you know, the cinema, cinemography, cinematography or whatever. And I'll be like, you know what? I would just sit in there to, to enjoy being there. So, and, and um, you, and you know, we do it too. I have to say, you know, I have my guilty pleasures with my sons and we will go to a superhero movie and just enjoy the thrill ride without, picking it apart right um as, as i as i tell my high school kids sometimes you want to see the man behind the curtain sometimes you just want to look at that beautiful wizard up there yelling at you um and enjoy the theatrics right so it's your choice absolutely now let's talk a little bit about uh, your whole the whole different um different lives because when I was going through your, when I was going through your website to me I, yeah. I, I was it's something that really resonated with me and I was just like oh wow I really like the way you put this out there and I also I really enjoyed I super enjoyed your bio on your website because it was it, it was well written and very funny to me uh, so, yeah. yeah well thank you you know I have the luxury of now that I'm uh, formally retired and just writing um, I don't have to write a bio that says, hey, will you hire me? I can just be totally honest uh-huh. or tongue-in-cheek, as it, as it were. So, um, yeah, I've gotten a lot of – I actually one time on LinkedIn got someone who sent to me a message saying, I read your bio, and I have no idea what you do, but I would hire you in a minute just to have <laughs> you around. So, <laughs> Oh, from their mouth to God's ears. Um, there you go. <laughs> So yeah, let's talk a little bit about the those you know the different lives because I think that that okay. to me was just fascinating. Well, I um, you know my wife and I, um, who uh, I should point out, we've been happily married for uh, almost fifteen years, and we met the old-fashioned way uh, on the internet, <laughs> and <laughs> we. Um, in those days, you couldn't swipe left or right. It was just yes or no. So it, it was primitive. And we um, are both very adventuresome. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we found was that growing up, she actually is from Thailand, but we had very similar backgrounds growing up. We said in your first life, which is your formative years, roughly we say up to 25, the world is just this open place of everything you want to wonder about. You go, wow. But of course, as a kid, you have no power to go out and explore. You just have to read about it on the, or look on the internet. Uh-huh. Then 
your second life, um, you are an adult, but you probably have some responsibilities that keep you at home. Um, family, you know, children, um, you know, people blackmailing you, whatever it is. And so you're stuck at home, um, but you're accumulating the wisdom. And then finally you reach a stage and we are very fortunate enough to have reached it, uh, which we call your third life. Both of our boys uh, just graduated college and um, we sent them out for milk and then we moved to Spain so they couldn't uh, live with us anymore. <laughs> and so we now have the freedom and time to, as we say, wander and wonder at the world. Mm-hmm. And this is what we encourage everyone to do is um, all those gee, I wonder ifs, check them out. And so that's what we like to call our third life, our, our time to wander and wonder about the world. I like that because yeah, for me, my kids are saying it's pretty much the same thing. I told all my kids that the present they got for their 18th birthday was an empty box so they could pack their shit in it and get out. Um, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and yeah. Then, they, then they left and you miss them a little bit, but you know, it, it's, it's a different, um, I don't want to say different focus. It's just, you know, you're not as, busy like when my grandkids come over now all i can think is like man i must have had a lot of energy in my 20s and 30s because i they just wear they just wear me the hell out uh you know oh yeah but (laughs) there's a different sense of enjoyment with them than i had with my own kids because um i don't know i don't it's not that i don't have to worry about them being productive members of society it's just that Hmm. um, i don't have the, the the whole responsibility of them I guess, like their mother and father do. And so, um, and a lot of things that um, I look at, I just look at a whole lot different than I did, you know, uh, 20 years ago. Absolutely. And, you know, with our sons, we keep in touch. One is actually um, up in Madison, Wisconsin, and the other one is in Tokyo. So uh, we try to arrange at some point in the day that we can all talk. And you know, the funny thing is when they were in high school and I'd say, how are you doing? They'd say, fine. I'd say, not good enough. I need to know all the details. Mm-hmm. Now when they say fine, it's like, great, wonderful, I'm out of here. You know, you're on your own. So it is kind of nice to be able to raise them to the point where you can trust them and say, I've done all I can. Oh, so and, um, your son's in my area. I'm over, I'm in Wisconsin as well, so. Oh, I, I will tell you that my son there, Ben, in Madison, he uh, grew up in Dallas and then went to school in Houston. And when he got a job in Madison, first thing he said is, I think it gets cold there. <laughs> and uh, I assured him, I said, Ben, no, you're in the tropical part of Wisconsin. So, <laughs> the, Yeah, the tropical part. Yes. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was 30 this morning. That's pretty, yeah, that's pretty, yeah. well, you know what, that is tropical compared to the dead of winter, because when I first moved yeah. to Wisconsin, when I first moved to Wisconsin, um, I never understood that why it was, when it was 30 and sunny, people were wearing shorts, but after living here for a while, it just made sense, because you only get so many shorts a day during the course of the year, so, hey, if it's sunny, you're putting on shorts, baby, you're putting on you're shorts. You're putting on shorts and getting out. <laughs> I, I do wonder, I mean, Madison is absolutely beautiful in the summer between two lakes, I'm waiting for my son to call in the winter saying, who the hell thought it'd be a good idea to put a city between two lakes <laughs> in Wisconsin? So, yeah, absolutely. We'll now, um, now, will you be sharing a little bit about you know, the, the whole phase of life at the conference, or will it be focused more on you know, some of those stuff we were talking about? Well, 
Um, actually, it's more about the media literacy and actually, you know, tying in with the humor. Um, one of the things I do and one of my approaches to teaching with teenagers is, you know, I think a lot of teachers make a mistake trying to present our world as logical um, and making sense. Mm-hmm. And you've got teenagers coming in, especially in the world of media, we lean into the craziness of the world. And so um, my one of the plans I do, I'll be sharing, is um, I have the teens actually study these three things that go into just about every ad for teens. And then what they do is they have to make an ad for something that teens would not like to buy using these three what we call centrics or drivers. Like, so for example, my students one time after studying it, um, I assigned them socks. How do you sell socks to teenagers? And they came up with the slogan, socks. They're like condoms for your feet. So, and then they did a whole ad about that. <laughs> oh, I would, that would make me buy socks. There you go. I mean, you know, so that's the kind of thing I'll be sharing and uh, hopefully giving the uh, people in the audience a chance to try their hand at coming up with some crazy looniness that the teens would for a regular, for something that is not thrilling, but how do you make it thrilling for teens? Well, what are those three things that go into every ad? Well, um, the three centrics basically is is that first of all, uh, teens are cynical. They are now at the stage where they're starting to look at the adult world and saying, this just does not make sense. Mm-hmm. And again, we lean into it. Um, I tell them actually, um, I said, look, the reason, for example, in religion, it's called faith is because it makes no sense. And then I go ahead and tell them that, for example, uh, I'm Jewish and my religion has lasted 5,000 years being begun by a guy who talked to shrubbery on fire, Moses. Mm-hmm. Now, that just doesn't seem like a good, long-standing basis. Right. Um, so we talked about the cynicism. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the next is that they are looking to form a new tribe. If they're pushing away from their parents, then they don't want to be alone. So in their craving to be independent, they will do whatever every other teen is doing. And so that's why you get the be independent and do what everyone else is doing. And then the third is the hormonal. I mean, there's suddenly a wash of this, of these hormones and libido. libido. Um, you know, um, I guess I can say that I had to give my two sons the uh, talk that now that you're teenagers, please still continue to think with the big head and not the little one. But um, yeah. uh, so those are the three drivers and then they have to work in some cool music, uh, some popular music and everything like that and put it together. And they come up with some pretty cool things. Uh Um, sometimes they're edgy. Um, I had a paper towel ad that involved, um, um, a homicide, but a quick cleanup before the police got there. Um, but that's kind of teen humor. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of lean into that. Um, and let them kind of go for it. That's fascinating. Because I mean, a lot of times yeah. people don't think about teens as consumers, but they certainly are. I mean, they, they, I remember when my kids were that age, you know, pushing me, oh, I need this, I need that, I need that. I'm like, and I would have the conversation with them that no, what you 
you don't need that. What you're talking about is that you want that. There's a big divide between right. need and wants. Yeah. <laughs> right. Know, so. And and we right, exactly. And the thing is, we think that the teens don't get when we say you need this, even though they just may want it. Mm-hmm. But you'll find many teens subtly know, and it's just through this they see it a little bit more clear, clearly. Like anything that says you'll have sex appeal, the teen kind of knows. I have one, if I can share one quick. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's one of my favorites. Absolutely. Okay. That, um, this shows you how old it was. Um, I assigned a group a pocket dictionary, which, of course, people don't have anymore. But um, so the group went off, and they made still one of my favorite commercials. The scene opened up with a boy who was considered a big stud. All the girls loved him uh, in school. And he walked up, he walks up to a girl and says, you're just all, I mean, you're every, I I just can't figure out the words to tell you how I feel. She rolls her eyes and says, call me when you know how to talk. He then goes and sits on a bench next to a very nerdy kid. Mm -hmm. And he says, I don't get it, Poindexter. I just can't find the words, but you seem to always know the right thing to say to the girls. What is it? And the nerdy kid looks around and then pulls out and says, it's called a pocket dictionary. <laughs> the boy, the stud then flips, he goes through it. He walks up to the girl and says, you're very attractive, comely. Dare I even say pulchritudinous? And she says, oh, my God, take me away. And then the final scene is him walking by the nerdy guy, and he turns around, and it is a freeze-frame thumbs up at each other. (laughs) That is fantastic. And and I'll tell you, and the tagline they came up with, which I almost had to dock them points, but let's just say, they took the first syllable of dictionary and made a play on it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, youth. You got to love that. That is awesome. Oh, that is great. Well, I'm really looking forward to, you know, um, meeting you in person at conference and going to your session. Now, in between now and then, if people want to connect with you, want to read your hilarious bio, you know, where, uh, where do you want them? Where do you want them to connect with you at? Well, I guess the best place would be uh, at our blog website, yourthirdlifewrittenout.com. And then you can go there, see a little bit about my uh, wife and me, our bio. And um, actually, right now, it's mainly about our transitioning to Spain because we've only been here a couple of months. But we're going to be adding a section soon on media literacy. All right. So now you're fluent in Spanish, I assume? (laughs) <laughs> well, funny you should say that. We did all this preparation. The only thing we forgot to do was learn Spanish. Um, so we have just enrolled in some Spanish courses, and um, it, it, it's a humili- Well, let's just say it's a humbling experience. The other day, I tried to say in class, "I am 57 years old," which would be. Um, Yo tengo cientos and yeah, well, whatever, um, años, except I said anos, which doesn't mean I am 57 years old. It means I have 57 anuses. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And the class stopped. 
Uh, and the teacher just looked at me, raised an eyebrow, and said, uh, Dave Rodad, as in truly, really? <laughs> You're like, you, then you committed to the bit. You got to commit to the bit. You said, well, yes, I do. I do have it. Really, yes, I do. <laughs> and that's why because everything's bigger in the United States, okay? <laughs> I'm from Texas. Absolutely. I'm from Texas. We got more. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Now, I'm trying to add a new section to the show where I ask my guests to share their favorite joke. You know, if you've got one, and I'll throw it out there for you. Say, hey, do you have your favorite, a favorite joke you want to share? If you don't, that's cool. We'll just, you know, uh, we'll look to, uh, I'll share one. Okay. Okay. Well, all right. I got two, okay. regular and a little more, okay? My honest favorite one, because it's so simple, it's brilliant, is a chicken and an egg are in bed together having just had sex, and one turns to the other and says, well, I guess we finally answered that age-old question. I love that joke. <laughs> I'm with you on that one. Yeah, absolutely. That's <laughs> awesome. Um, the other one that I usually uh, is a running joke, because I always get some students on this, is that I continually ask, hey, do you know how you keep gullible people in suspense? And I always get kids to say, how? And I say, oh, we're out of time. I'll tell you next time. <laughs> and I kept one kid asking for almost two weeks. And I kept saying, oh, I'm out of time again. And they kept saying, I gotta know. That makes it even funnier. That's awesome. Yeah. That is great. That is so, great. Well, here's here's mine. I'm going to share with. Here's mine. I'm going to share with you. Did you hear the joke about? Please. Did you hear the joke about the interesting accountant? No. Yeah, me either. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But I'm bummed. Well, I appreciate you spending a little time with me today. I know there's a huge uh, time difference between Spain and Wisconsin, but you know, I got a lot from our conversation, and I'm really looking forward to uh, meeting you at the conference. Well, I appreciate it, Chip, and it's no problem because I've got at least five more hours before dinner serves. So, <laughs> Awesome. Thanks so much, Jim. <laughs> Thank you, Chip. Thank you. I told you, Jim's got it going on. Super cool guy. I absolutely love his concept of the third life. That's where I'm in right now. Kids are gone. I'm just living large. Now, he won't be at the conference, but we'll have plenty of other awesome speakers, awesome presenters. So make sure you get yourself registered. Again, the conference for AATH is the 4th through the 7th of April 2019 in the Windy City, Chicago. So make sure you go to AATH.org and get registered early. So until next time, this is Chip Lutz, signing off. This is LaughBox, <laughs> the podcast for laughter and humor professionals. LaughBox is made possible by a grant from the National Speakers Foundation and is brought to you by AATH, the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Find out more at AATH.org. Be sure to review LaughBox on iTunes. For show notes and more information about today's conversation, visit laughbox.aath.org.